Welcome to our Rock City Church podcast. We are so excited to have you join us. Our desire is that you would listen with expectancy for what God wants to do in your life. We pray that you would encounter the mighty love of the Father and that you would be fired up for the more that He has for you. All of us are going to suffer some form of persecution, and all of us have enemies. Now, I can't really think of a lot of enemies here in the United States. I know there's people across seas that hate us just because who we are. There are enemies in this nation that will hate you because your skin color or your political affiliation or your religious affiliation, right? But in general, all of us have one enemy in common, and that's the devil. And the devil hates you, and he doesn't have a part-time job. He works overtime. But the thing is, the devil's already defeated and powerless. He only has the ability to wreak havoc in lives when we choose to open the door. But even when we open the door, whether that's through our flesh or sin or compromise, God always one-ups that. In fact, he already did it because of the cross and the blood of Jesus. If it wasn't for the mercy and the grace and the kindness and the compassion of God, we would all be doomed, right? So in the end, it's always a win-win situation no matter what. In fact, biblically, the Bible says that we are the righteousness of God in Christ. So when you give your life to Christ, you come into him, into his body, literally into his flesh, and now you are hidden and covered in him. And now you're made righteous because of what he did. You can't earn it, you can't work it, you don't deserve it, and you're completely dead to sin. Now, for a lot of you, that'll flip you out, and it's hard for you to understand But the truth is, is that once you give your life to Christ, God begins to work on the inside by his spirit. And now the effects and the joy that you once got are no longer. And God has this way of pulling you out of it. And it's not who you are anymore. So this morning when I walked in, I had, you know, if I'm hanging out in the lobby before service, somebody's going to have a talk with me, right? And so somebody came up, a a very nice lady as part of our church pastor. I blew it. I really screwed up. I did something terrible. I'm like, okay, well, what'd you do? And then she told me what she did. And I said, well, the great news is that's not who you are because I know you're born again and you're in Christ. I said, now you're forgiven and you, and you need to understand that what Christ did on the cross already forgives you. I forgive you. You just need to see yourself the way he sees you. See, if you could see yourself the way that I see you, you would live different. I just need to get you to see yourself the way God sees you. And so I prayed for her and I hugged her and loved her. And man, it's like all this shame and all this victim and all this abandonment and all this fear came off of her. You know, you can't be a son or a daughter and be a victim at the same time. I'll say that again. You can't be a son or a daughter and be a victim at the same time. Now, things can happen to you indirectly, but the cross and the power of the blood and God's true justice. So when you think about justification, which I'm going to show you the word here in a minute, when you think about being justified, because of the cross and because of the blood, and when we come into him, you're now justified. Period. Now, God goes to work inside of your heart, and now where there was injustice and crooked paths, God makes them straight. And that's a process. That's what sanctification is. That's why we're super patient with you. A lot of grace, a lot of mercy. And if God's given you grace and mercy, then you have to give it away to others. 
The process of sanctification is the process of being separated from who you once were, the things of this world. Now he calls you out, and in time, he sees you as perfect because of the blood, but now it's the process of making you like him. So when stuff comes up and you're like, man, that's ugly, and why is that still in me, and I should have known better. If you see it through the process of justification and sanctification being inside Christ, now you're not condemned. And now God brings it, reveals it so he can heal it. it. The problem is when stuff starts coming up, we go down this dark path inside of our head, which is what the devil does, your number one enemy, to bring accusation, oppression, and lies to who you really are. So then God raises up a guy like me, a person like you, to speak life and truth to the world around us of who they really are in Christ right? And so the devil always puts a question mark where God puts a period. The devil always wants you to question who you are, who God is. Is he really going to do what he said he would do? He wants to get you into fear. He wants to make you worried, anxious, nervous. Then you take control. You're going to take control. You're going to fix the situation yourself and it's never going to work. It's never going to work. And for everybody in their 20s and all the teenagers, get this now. All of us older folks are like, amen. Amen. So let's take a look at Psalm 27. We're going to read, I'm going to give you a short word today of some things that have really impacted my life that I think will speak to you. Psalm 27, verse 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. So he's your saving light. Remember that that all darkness is, is an absence of light. So I've learned in my dark hours where I feel afraid or worried or doubt or disconnected or whatever it is that's bombarding me, I always look to my saving light. And it's a a conscious decision that I have to make. So there's times that I feel incredibly overwhelmed. And there's times that I start to feel nervous or anxious or stressed or worried, even today. Because the Bible says, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Well, working it out is nothing I can do in my own strength. It's getting my eyes back on my saving light and allowing the light of Christ to shine in the midst of the darkness. And every single time, it's the process of renewing your mind. It's the process of standing firmly on what you believe. Not just giving lip service, but now giving heart ascension to what it is that you are saying and what you believe. So the Lord's our light and our salvation. He's the source. He is the source. You can't save yourself. And if you study out salvation and the the Greek mindset of salvation, it's this mindset that the first thing he does is liberates you. Then he protects you. So liberation and rescue being rescued go hand in hand. That's why when Christ is inside of us, you can't not do that for other people. So he liberates you, he rescues and he protects you and he defends you. And then he makes you to be everything you're called to be. So he's the source. He's your light. He's your salvation. There's no other light and no other salvation other than him. And so because of that, you should never be afraid and you should fear no one. But there's all kinds of fear that comes into our hearts. Fear of money, fear in our job, fear of what other people think about us. Fear that some of y'all are going to stay single 
for the rest of your life. And let me just talk about being single for a second. Many times God is the one that's actually protecting you from something that you really wish you could have. And many times you think it's God, but it's little g, not big G. It's little g, you. And you wonder, man, why, how come I'm single for so long? And why didn't that guy? And how come that girl? And man, I'm doing all that I know to do. And I'm, you know, trying to make myself attractive and presentable and nobody's coming along. And you're like, you think you're ready. It's like, God, I'm so ready. And God's like, you aren't even close to ready. <laughs> that relationship will kill you. What if God was really watching your back? What if you actually really believed that the Lord was the light of your... And we're going to go on. What if you actually really believed that you have nothing to fear because the enemy's powerless? And we're manifesting, angry, fighting with our spouse, worried about our money, worried about our jobs, angry at the nation. Jesus leads from a seated, rested position, and he hasn't fallen off the throne. He didn't fall off. And in fact, the Bible says he seated you with him. I'm going to show it to you here in a minute. So you're here and there, which means you have power and authority over every situation because of who he is in you, not anything of my own strength. I just got to learn to rest in it and stop trying to do it my own way. So now the Lord is the strength of my life. Who should I be afraid of? Meaning I never turn around and run. You know, in the Bible, there's only one area that God tells you to run, and that's sexual immorality. And he says, run, 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 even when it's not fun, fun, fun. <laughs> and don't run in a circle now, yo, gabba, gabba, I'm in kid zone. Some of you are like, who is that? You guys are like, what's he doing? Well, when you get little kids, put yo, gabba, gabba on. It's a whole nother world in there. There's a party in my tummy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Do chicken nuggets want to go to the party? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So you actually don't have to be afraid and you actually don't have to turn and run because the devil's already been defeated. He's under your feet. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. Even when you fall short, you're not condemned. The mercy and the grace of God's there for you. He's always there. Turn and look to the saving light of Christ. And this really makes me think of a couple scriptures. Proverbs 28.1 says, the wicked flee even when no one's pursuing, but the righteous are bold as a lion. Why? Because I got a lion on the inside. We sang the song today. I wear, this is my signet ring that I'll pass down to my kids. It's a lion. And it always reminds me of who's on the inside. So the wicked are always terrorized. They're always afraid. They're already living in condemnation. Remember John chapter three, Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn the world because the world's already in condemnation, which is the Greek word crisis. Would you say there's a crisis in the world? But there's a crisis on the outside, not a crisis on the inside. Because you learn to stay rested and at peace at all times. And so if the wicked are pursuing when no one 
I'm sorry, fleeing when no one's pursuing. Imagine when the righteous become the army of God and pursue the dark wickedness in the land. Imagine. Prostitution, human trafficking, pedophiles, drug dealers, drug addictions, Johns. That's why we fight. That's why we do what we do. I'm not wrestling against flesh and blood. But against demonic spiritual wickedness all around. And it's all around. But it's already defeated. I just got to get it out of my own life and get it out of yours by trusting in Christ, shutting the door, staying in him, knowing that I'm dead to sin. It's like Matthew and I were talking the other day about, you know, what it was like to get high. We were not getting high the other day. <laughs> but, but his story... I'm, I'm like a forerunner for his life. Yes, yes. Calm down. Calm down. Wow. So, so the stories are very, you don't know his story yet. Well, he'll tell it one day. But the, it's miraculous what God has done in his life. Very similar to my story. And so now the things we used to do, they don't feel the same anymore. Right? So God's doing this thing in him where what was so normal, now that he's coming to Christ, when he tried to do what used to be normal, God has shifted it to where it doesn't have the same effect and God removed the desire. Right? Why? Because he's dead to it. So even if you do it, you're actually dead to it. So now it doesn't define you because you're in Christ. Now, a lot of people spin out with this revelation because they're like, well, pastor, you're giving people a license to sin. I'm just reminding you who you are and letting God do what God does best because I'm not the God cop. But my prayer is, get him, God. Get you. Get David. Get Matthew. Get Chris. Just get him, God. Do what you do best. You did it for me. You can do it for them. When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they're the ones that actually stumbled and fell. They're the ones that turned back. Think about it. I didn't, I didn't run and flee. I stood my ground in who I am. And when the enemy comes against, because war is imminent, the Bible talks a lot about warfare. Now, the cross is finished, but the enemy still thinks he's got an upper hand, and he doesn't. We're still also fighting to set the captives free, right? So my war is not against you. My war is against the thing that's holding you captive, right? So they're the ones that actually turn and run. They stumbled and fell. And you know what this makes me think about? Isaiah 54, 17. Yeah, Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon formed against you. Well, think about prosper. It's, in fact, God's definition of prosperity is first being mentally put together. So now I have the mind of Christ, and God's not giving me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a... So the enemy is, he's actually wasting his time. And the concept of the gates of hell shall not prevail isn't meaning I'm hunkered down in my fortress hoping that they don't get me, that the boogeyman doesn't come in. 
It's that I'm coming against the gates of hell in your life by preaching truth, by raising up an army of people that love, that know who they are, that pray, that see in the spirit, that prophesy, that now have new weapons. You need some new weapons. Weapons in worship, weapons in praise, weapons of God's presence surrounding you, weapon of your identity, weapon of rest. And so no weapon formed against you is actually going to get the upper hand and wreak havoc in your life. And if you feel like it is, then maybe God is bringing out some things that need to be revealed so that you can be healed. The devil's already been defeated. And so every tongue that rises up against you in judgment, you shall condemn. Now, I'm going to tell you how I read this. I don't actually have to condemn, in a sense, the judgment lies that come against me, which there's a lot, there have been a lot of them. Somebody's going to have something to say about something when you flame on and you start moving in the spirit and doing what God calls you to do. Just come to this church. It's a spirit-filled church. We believe in deliverance and healing, but we're rooted and grounded in the Father's love and who we are and our identity and family, but we need the supernatural coursing through our veins. Extravagant worship. I mean, they just see Mark up there and Nathan with their big beards and they're burly, crying out, calling out for an hour, you know, and people weeping and crying and they don't understand it. So when people don't understand or to have a grid for what real normal is, it's abnormal to them. But you're actually normal. And Jesus is the most normal person you'll ever meet. So he in turn, with him in you, causes you to be normal. I'm gonna show you here in a second. It's about shouts of joy, joy and gladness in God's house. That sounds like something. You know, if I walked up to you and handed you a $100,000 check, you'd be, yeah, that's awesome. Woo! Don't, don't tell me you wouldn't. Some of you are like, man, if I just win that lottery, man, I'm really. When my crypto blows up. <laughs> Which it's going to. Agree with me, it's going to. <laughs> to the moon, that's right, to the moon. So the thing is, is tongues are going to rise against you in judgment. Somebody's always got something to say. But see, when you're secure in who you are and you know that the Lord is the light of your salvation, whom shall you fear? If God is for you, who can be against you? It's a lordship security in your identity issue. I don't have to fight harder, work it up more, pray it harder. I have to learn to come to agreement with him and catch the wind. I got to get my sails up, pray as he prays, speak as he speaks, come into agreement with him. My, as you mature, your prayers will shift from petitioning and begging to now knowing already how he feels and what he says and supplicating in agreement with what he says. God's already shown me in our situation of fighting for this little girl that Amber bawled her eyes out about last week, which was awesome. Didn't she do a great job? Three days, her eyes were swollen. It's like she had a hangover. She's like, man, I feel like I got run over by a truck. I said, now you know how I feel every single week. Mm. Take that. 
I was thoroughly enjoying it. Yeah, she took a nap. Boy, she took a nap. And so you've got to see that somebody's going to always have something to say. And tongues will rise up against you in judgment. But for me, I don't even actually have to condemn the voice because somebody's watching my back. Think about the armor of God in Ephesians 6 for a moment. In the armor, the full armor of God, there is one very clear piece that's missing. Everybody says to me, say, God's got my back. He's got eyes. He sees way more than what you see. He knows what's best for you. When will you start to trust him? What are you so worried about? What are you manifesting about? What are you angry about? What are you self-protecting and preserving? What are you afraid of? Now, you, you do an introspective look in your own heart about those things. And so for me, I already know that the world's in condemnation. I'm out to save it. That's why Jesus came. For God so loved the world that he gave. And so tongues will rise up against you in judgment. Let's bring the scripture back up. But this is the heritage of the Lord for the servants. This is the heritage for the servants of the Lord. Heritage literally means that you have a promise and an inheritance. You have a handed down legacy by pioneers and patriarchs that have gone long before you, just like we will do for our children that will go on way further past where we will go. You have a heritage and this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness is from who? We're not preachers of righteousness in this church. We're preachers of the truth of being in Christ and your identity of who you are. You can't earn it. You can't deserve it. You can't work for it. You just have to get in it and then understand what that means. You have an inheritance and you have a heritage. And this is the legacy is that God's got your back and even when people lie or slander or hurt or come against you, they're not gonna have any success. So what are you worried about? Right, what are you worried about? So back to the scripture. When these people come against me, they're the ones that actually turn back or stumble and fall. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart's not gonna be afraid. The war may rise against me. In this, I'm going to be confident. So again, war may be imminent and war's hap happening all around in the spiritual atmosphere and in the natural. But what are you afraid of? Is your heart afraid right now? Your head's not tails. You have to figure it out, but you're figuring it out. And I love this in verse four. King David, all he had was the tent of meeting, the tabernacle of David. There was no temple yet built when he wrote this. He said, one thing that I desire of the Lord, you can have it all, but there's only one thing that really matters. Money's not going to make you happy. All your next things and your stuff and the, all the success we chase in this world will never satisfy. How do I know? Here's a guy that had it all and said, Nothing matters as much as this. You're always going to want more and you'll never be satisfied. 
take my advice, young ones, young Padawans. I'll be your Jedi master. How's that? So what does this mean? This is the one thing I'm going to seek. It's a craving. The, the understanding of seek is I crave this. It's in my every day. I'm thinking to myself, I so desperately want to just dwell with him in his presence. Now David wrote as dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire. Inquiring minds want to know. That's why Jesus is the manna that came down from heaven. What does manna mean? What is it? That's what manna means. He's the what is it? He's got the answer to every question. So now I'm listening, I'm inquiring. And what does it mean to dwell in his house and gaze upon his beauty or to behold? It literally means that I'm enveloped in the presence of God. I, I desire nothing more than to dwell in his presence and to be surrounded by him at all times. Most people, I've said this before, I say it again, won't live to this level of desire. But David said, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul is panting. I'm thirsty, I'm hungry, I'm desirous to know and to be with the Lord. And that's what David said, that I would dwell in the house, that I would live every moment of my life beholding the marvelous beauty of who he is. And just contemplate. Inquiring also means to contemplate with God. How many of you have questions about your life? How about the question of why do you exist? How about the question of what's your purpose? Inquiring minds want to know. I do. I'm always wanting to inquire what the more is that God has for me. But that takes sitting at his feet. That takes being Mary's instead of Martha's. That takes intimacy. That takes relationship. That takes understanding of who you are. So in the time of trouble, verse 5, he will hide us in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he will hide us. And he will set us on a rock. What does that mean? You're untouchable. And what does it mean to be hidden? If you actually study this out, it means I'm a jewel, a pearl of great price. You are a jewel and a pearl of great price hidden in his treasure chest. And you know what I think of when I think pavilions? Gardens. In the garden of his delight. And now you become a garden of his delight. And now God's got you as a treasure chest hidden hiding. It's so valuable to him. You are so valuable to him that he actually is protecting you. You're not uncovered. You're not naked anymore. You're not living naked and afraid. You're not in the TV reality show. The world may be, but you're not because God hides you and protects you and he covers you. And now, because of who he is and what he's done, because of who you are in Christ, because of how he's lifted you up and put you on the rock, now because you don't need to be afraid of anything, now because you're rooted in Christ, check this out. The next verse says, and now 
my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will off. So because of that, I'm going to offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle and I will sing. Yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. So what, what that means is now I'm going to shout. Woo, God, you're so good. Yeah, Lord. And you'll hear that in worship here. Now, I know some of you are like, I'm never going to shout. Like my wife, I'm never going to shout. I'm like, okay, we'll take it up with Jesus. (laughs) She has. She's like, I have. I'm good. (laughs) The thing is, is the point I'm trying to make is, is that joy and, and sacrifices of joy and singing and worship all come as a result because of who he is and what he's done and now where you are. Because the only reason why we wouldn't do those things is because we're broke, depressed, upset, and focused on the immediate problems of our circumstances. Or we have a lack of understanding of who God is. That's why I'm always worshiping. It has nothing to do with what I did last night or mistakes I made or problems in the world. or None of that dictates my worship. But some people are like, I'm, I'm going to worship my way. You don't get to dictate and define your worship. And some of you, I love you, but you never worship at home. Your quiet time's like real quiet time. <laughs> it's like quiet, quiet time. Mine's too loud. And mine's too loud, my wife says. That's right. <laughs> but the thing is, is that worship is a lifestyle, not just something that you do on Sunday morning. Worship is so vital because it's a response of an action that he did. It becomes you not because I have to, but because of who he is in me. And now because I'm protected, because I don't have to fear, because the Lord's the light of my salvation, because I'm rooted in Christ, now the enemy's fleeing and now I can set captives free and now I'm fully rested. So when I come into his presence, it's electric. It's all I desire. I love worship. You should have a loving, burning passion for worship. Now, I get it. It's a style and preference thing. Some of you are like, man, it's too long. It's too loud. It's too... But worship looks like something. And worship is a place of surrender and letting go and intimacy and communion with God. And so because of all those things, there's sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. And now I'm going to sing with all my might and all my heart. Verse 7. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. There's a component of crying out to God. I know he hears us. I fully believe that. And we wouldn't survive without his mercy. Verse 8. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I'm going to seek. What does it mean to seek the face of God? I got asked that recently. It means to get intimate with him, right? When I, so I'm seeking his face or his heart, not his hand. And when I get in his face, my face changes. Because face literally means countenance, right? So if you're always depressed, always hurting, always broken, when you get into his presence surrounded, enveloped, and seek his face. God says seek his face for a reason because you need it bad. 
You need his face pad. Stop just focusing on his hand. When you get his heart, you get his hand. This is a rested position. Seek my face. And my heart said, okay. Your face, I'm going to seek your face, Lord. What are you actually seeking? Now, I want you to be blessed. I want you to be prosperous. I want you, I want you to have the finances. I want you to have a good home. I want you to have, and God wants those things for you too. God delights in the prosperity of his children. But if that's your main thing and not your one if that's your one thing, that's a problem. Make your one thing the main thing. And that one thing needs to be all this stuff I'm teaching you written in this psalm. Seeking his face, gazing upon him, dwelling with him. And I love this. Verse nine, don't hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me or forsake me. I, now, we already have Jesus. See, remember, David didn't have Jesus. So, you know, the New Testament says, I'll, the Lord says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. And, but your family will sometimes, won't they? People you love the most sometimes will. And that's why he said, even when my father and my mother forsake me, Who's always going to take care of you? Do you really believe it? And if you don't, start. You got it written in the word. You, he's in your heart. Your life's in him. And sometimes you don't. So just say, Lord, I'm struggling believing it. Show me. Yes. Yes. Lord, don't hide your face from me. He's like, I'm not going to hide your, my face, but I want you to seek my face. Some of us want to get his face without any quality time. I'm pretty sure God's number one love language is quality time. God loves quality time. He just wants to hang out too. I'm going to finish this psalm. When, uh, verse 11, teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. You know what a smooth path is? I can tell you what it's not. Most of us think a smooth path is something that it's not. Smooth sailing. Money, jobs, relationships, people, things of this world. You know what a smooth path is? A smooth path is a rested path. A smooth path is a peaceful path. A smooth path is a path of confidence and identity in who you are. A smooth path is not a crooked path. It's not a corrupt path. So you got to let Jesus weed those things out of you. He needs to do some gardening on your heart and pull some weeds out so you can have a smooth path. And a smooth path is what God gives you. Verse 12, don't deliver me to the will of my adversaries for false witnesses of a have risen against me and such as breathe out violence, which you already know how I feel about that. God's, I don't believe God will do that. I believe that we sell ourselves into slavery, but God buys us out every time. That's what I believe. Verse 13, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. There's people subject to the bondage of death their whole life. Death, fear of cancer, fear of their kids, 
getting killed, hurt, injured. There's so many people living in massive amounts of fear. And in turn, that fear is causing you to lose heart. But, but David says, I would have lost heart had I not believed. So I believe I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. My wife put this scripture on the shopping center that we own for all the world to see. Long before several promises came to pass, but she trusted God. And now she's seeing the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And then finally, verse 14, wait on the Lord and be of good courage. He shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. The concept of waiting means that I entwine myself together with the Lord. And in turn, I'm always brave and I'm courageous only because I'm entwined with him, right? Isaiah 40, verse 31 says, uh, those that wait patiently on the Lord will renew their strength and they'll mount up on wings as eagles means God's gonna lift you higher. What are you afraid of? God will give you double vision. Eagles have double vision. Now you start to see the way God sees, like an eagle from an eagle perspective. Psalm 40, verse one. I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined his ear to me and he heard my cry and he lifted me up out of a pit or quicksand or miry clay and he set my feet on a solid rock. Okay, so waiting patiently for the Lord looks like something. Some of you are like, man, I'm just waiting on God. And then you're going about your everyday life, never sitting at his feet, listening, contemplating, inquiring, worshiping. And so I want to challenge y'all to wait patiently for the Lord and let courage and bravery come into your heart today. If, if you knew how much God really loved you, and if God really loves you, I didn't even get to Romans chapter eight, nothing can separate you from the love of God, nothing. So if God really loves you and his eyes are always on you, what are you actually really worried about today? Ask yourself that. If there's one thing I want you to take home when you leave and as you're contemplating even this message, what is it that's producing fear, worry, and anxiety in your heart? And then bring God's perfect love to that spot the cross, the blood, and understand that that's not who you are. And God is much bigger than that. It's a lordship issue. It's the fact that God really, genuinely, you are his pearl of great price that he's put in his treasure chest. You say, well, then why do bad things happen to good people? We have this conversation. She, my wife did a whole children's book about that very subject, which, by the way, we reordered copies that we're going to have available for you guys for Christmas. And so we don't always have every answer as to why those things can happen. Sadly, we're in a broken, fallen world, but you're no longer broken and fallen. And if you need rescuing today, we're here to rescue. If you're hurting and broken and afraid, anxious, nervous, nightmares, eating your bread with sorrow, you can't seem to find joy, you're never gonna be able to find it in your own strength. He's your only joy. He's the strength and the light and the love of your life. And there are days and times I'm like, man, God, I'm just, I just don't know what's happening right now. I feel so overwhelmed. He says, look to me, son. You can't do this in your own strength. Look to me, daughter. I love you. I'm for you. So today, if you're battling... Don't go it alone. Let somebody pray for you. We have the most awesome prayer partners here. They, they love Jesus. They, 
their lives have been inspected and vetted and they care and they, they only want to bring comfort and peace to your life. So with that, I'd like to ask you all to stand and my prayer partners to come up to the front. Prayer partners, team leaders, please make your way up to the front. And as we're getting ready, just close your eyes for just a moment. I have you close your eyes just to be introspective. Just take a moment. We just want to be who we already are called to be and who we are in Christ. My prayer is that you would see it today. One thing. And if it hasn't been your one thing, let's make it our one thing. And so today, if you're distant, hurting, sick, broken, struggling, if you're just struggling, you just want somebody to stand with you and pray with you. Our prayer partners and our team leaders are here to stand with you this morning. So I want to ask you to start making your way up to the front if you'd like prayer. If you've never given your life to Jesus, don't leave today without surrendering all. You've got to be born again to enter into this process. You can't see if you're not born again. So if you're not sure, just come up and let somebody pray for you. If you need help, if you're struggling, don't go it alone today and don't leave here the same. So feel free to make your way up to the front and I'll pray for you before you go. Jesus, thank you so much for the atmosphere of this church and your presence that's here. Thank you, God, for what you're doing in our city, our state, our nation, in this church, in our hearts, in our life, in our family. We love you so much, God. And I thank you, Lord, for being our light and our salvation and that we have nothing to fear. Help us, Lord, to be bold as a lion and help us, God, to be rested in your love. Remove fear and worry and anxiety and doubt and bring healing and comfort to all those that are struggling today. And we love you. I bless all of you as you go. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please subscribe and share it with your friends. And if you want to partner with us in what God is doing here at Rock City, you can give by visiting our website at rockcitycorpus.com slash give.